Thanks for joining us. We love getting to share the message of God's grace with the entire world. If his message has impacted your life, would you share your testimony with us by emailing it to stories at graceorlando.com. We love to hear what God is up to. You can also give in support of this ministry by going to our website and clicking on the Give button at graceorlando.com. Thanks again. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. 21. Wow. Seems like a long time. 2021. Uh, well, thanks for being with us. Hey, a couple changes we've made, and it's okay if you're in the wrong spots today, but what we're trying to do is trying to create some space for everybody. So the people that are sitting in this section, this will be like a mask section, okay, which you guys are spread out, so you're okay. Uh, but, but for, you know, future, we'll try to put people over here who are fine sitting without the mask, okay? I don't, I don't really know how to do this, in case you can't tell, okay? So we're just trying some different things. We'll create a section that'll maybe give some people peace of mind that want to sit there, and then you guys here, thanks for wearing your masks so you get to your seats. Really appreciate everybody trying, okay? We're just trying to love each other well and look out for one another, amen? amen. Hey, next week, uh, we've got uh, Eric's class starting back up. That was one of the announcements that, Scott, I'm sure you were going to get to it, but I got you covered, man. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, next, next week, 9.30, uh, you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, Eric is a great teacher, and uh, you will definitely enjoy the class, okay? So 9.30 next week. <clears throat> all right, but we're going to talk about this new year, all right? I know last year we probably had a talk similar to this. You know, it was the roaring 20s, we said, you know, oh, who's excited? You know, let's see what God's going to do. And, and we all got pumped up, and then we got into the year, right? <laughs> and we're like, God, what happened? Like, I thought you had a plan here. All right, so this year we're doing the same thing, right? We're still saying, like, hey, there's still, God is still on the throne. There is still a good day ahead of us. Uh, and, and I tell you, we, we started the year off, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw some nautical things this morning, okay, some, some, some analogies this way. Uh, my, my kids and I, we decided to start off the new year uh, watching Pirates of the Caribbean. You ever seen that movie? We've got a woo in the front row. That's good. <laughs> Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean or Caribbean, I've never figured out which way it goes, but uh, you say it how you like. Uh, but we watch this movie, you know, and they're, and they're on this boat, you know, they're out in the ocean, and all I can think of is, is can you imagine what it must have been like to actually have been on these boats, you know, I mean, not maybe as a pirate, but maybe just on a boat, like having to sail using the stars and using compasses and all this stuff. I mean, how many times did you just get lost, honestly, you know, like you were doing your very best? But now, you know, we've got these boats that can park themselves. Have you seen this? Have you ever seen one of these boats? I I've seen one, and it actually can park itself. Like, I don't even know how that works, you know? But, like, how hard must it be now to get lost at sea? Like, it's got to be pretty hard, right? you got GPS, you got computers, satellites. They can probably zoom in and see what you're up to, you know? I mean, we, we, we know where everybody is now. And so this morning, as we kind of talk about a new year, as we talk about charting a course, I, wanna, I want us to remember that we're not on the side of the cross where we're kind of drifting at sea trying to figure it all out, okay? We're on the side of the cross where we've got a GPS now. <laughs> we actually have the Spirit of God now living within us to where we can actually know where we're headed, even if we don't know where we're headed, okay? So that'll make more sense as we go, but... If you will, just remember, you have in Pirates of the Caribbean, there's this, uh, this compass. You remember the compass? And this compass doesn't point north. In case you've never seen the movie, it just spins and spins until it goes points towards the thing that you want most. All right? So this morning is a little bit of that. I want you to imagine God's putting that compass in your hand this morning and saying, what do you want the most? 
So here's the thing is as we think about years, as we think about, I don't know, uh, New Year's resolutions or plans or all that kind of stuff, oftentimes we, we get excited about some things, but then we say, but wait a minute, God, are you, are you in for this? Is this something that I'm just dreaming? Is this something I'm just thinking? Or God, are you a part of this too? And I want you to hear me this morning. God has put a compass in your hand. He, he knows where you're going. He knows the destination. The Bible says he knows the beginning or the end from the beginning, right? He, he understands where the destination is. But the course, as we, as we chart a course together, the course can vary. It can go left and right. It can kind of go all over. And maybe last year that was, we saw that very clearly. Not really sure where we're going, but we're kind of all over the place. But as a great encouragement, I want us to remember as we're charting a course, that we're not, we're not again, on the front side of the cross where we're, we're kind of doing this with God out there somewhere. We're, we're doing that with, with God in our boat, okay? You remember the story? It's one of my favorite stories. Jesus is sleeping in a boat, you know, much like on a day like today, there's a storm, you know, and the boat is getting washed all over the place. And I love this. I love that Jesus is asleep. Have you ever tried to be on a cruise ship when it's just rocky? You know, my wife and I, we try to walk down the hallway, you know, and it's like you're stumbling into one side, you're stumbling into the next. And I just love to imagine Jesus sleeping through that. You know, he just thinks it's wonderful. Then he wakes up, right? He's a little bit upset. Thanks for waking me up from my nap. How many of you guys are like that? Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, don't wake me up from my nap, right? But he gets up and he actually speaks to the storm, right? He calms the storm down. And I want you to remember this morning, as saints, you get to speak to storms. You get to speak to the things that are in your life around you as you are going on this destination, as you've, you plot your course, as you go with God. Speak to the storms. He is in your boat. And if he's in your boat, uh, it's not going down. So this morning, I want to invite us into knowing a few things we already know, okay? But I want you to experience them this morning. I want you to hear these words for the first time. We're going we're to look at a few things together that I think will really encourage you as we look at who, what, and where is God. We're going to look at who, what, and where are we, okay? So 1 John 3, 2 starts off this way. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Imagine this moment. All of us are going to have this moment. You're going to have this moment where you see him and you suddenly look at yourself and you say, I'm just like you. I see it now. You know, we have these analogies of, of caterpillars and butterflies, right? We use it a lot in the, in, in the church where we say, hey, we start off as a caterpillar, you become this butterfly. Well, the truth of the matter is you're a butterfly right now. You're a butterfly within a, within a vessel that looks like a, a, a caterpillar, okay, if you will. It's kind of weird, but this is the spirit that we, that we have with us. We have this resurrection life. Like imagine the moment we see resurrection life face to face, how marvelous it must be, how different it is from what you and I know life to be here on planet Earth. And in this moment, we will see what is actual now, okay, what we can enjoy now, today. So let's look at it together. Let's talk about who, what, and where is God. Who is God? Who is God? Imagine asking the question, who is God, and trying to sum this up in one sermon alone, okay? It's, it's impossible, but, but, to, but to shorten it for today, he is I am, he says. I'm I am. You know, imagine, hi, how are you? Who are you? I am. That's cool. Well, what's your name? I am. You know, I am. He is every single thing. He's everything. He's all power. He's all life. He's everything. How do you explain that to somebody? He's God in three parts, but he's one. How do you explain that to somebody? 
I love that, you know, in the, in, the, in the very beginning of the Bible, we don't see a moment where Adam and Eve sit God down and go, hey, we need you to explain who you and what, and what, it, what are you, and what. We don't see this, do we? We see this relationship, this, this innocence, where, where Adam and Eve walked with God and they knew him. They experientially knew who he was. They knew he was everything. And then something happens, and they forget all of that, and they, they get all cloudy in their minds, and they begin to think, well, I don't know if I, if I trust him anymore. So God begins to give names to us. He gives us names to help us. <laughs> I mean, I imagine he's got more names than we can possibly imagine. But he says, I'm Elohim. He says, and I'm, I'm Yahweh. I, I am both the God who created everything that you're standing on, by the way, flying at thousands of miles an hour through space. I'm, I'm God. But I'm also a God who makes covenants, Yahweh. I'm a God who promises you things. I don't know about you, but that's always blown my mind. Like, why in the world would God promise you anything? Like, he is a God who only speaks the truth, the whole truth. He is the truth, so help himself, right? Like, that's who he is. (laughs) So the only reason why he's making promises to you and me is because we were a people who needed to hear somebody make a promise, (laughs) So I love that God presents himself in ways that are even for our sakes. He says in Genesis 17, he comes to Abram and he says, I'm, I'm El Shaddai. I am, I'm like a mother and her child. I am somebody who provides life when, when, when you have no ability to provide life for yourself. Right? As a baby, you can't do anything but just receive. And he says, I'm the God who gives to you and I give life to you. That's who I am, Abram. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make a promise with you. Can you receive that? And he does. And you know the story. He stands there with Abram and he says that, Who am I, Abram? I am the God who is going to bless you. And I'm going to bless and I'm going to give. And I'm going to give this awesome covenant of grace to you. And then the law comes along. And, and, and we get a little cloudy. And so let's, let's read what Galatians says about this. This covenant, this covenant-making God, who he is, here he is. Brothers, I speak in terms of human relations. Even though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it's ratified, nobody sets it aside or adds conditions to it. So, so to take this for example, I mean, Paul is talking to people that I believe are probably lawyers, okay? So he's saying, look, let's talk about this together. When you make a last will and testament, when you, when you sit down with a lawyer and you write all that stuff out and you sign the paperwork and then you die... Can anybody go and add stuff to it and change it? No, of course not. He's saying, well, in the same exact way, this promise that Yahweh, this this covenant-making God, who he is, he he made a covenant with us. And even though a law came later, right, you can't add conditions to the promise. So the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed, that is Christ. What I'm saying is this, the law which came 430 years later does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. For the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise, but God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. I love that I am shows up and says, for your benefit, I'm going to make you a promise. I'm going to make you a promise to bless you to take care of you, to make you my people even, <laughs> to be one of my own. And I'm going to do all of this. I'm not really asking anything in return. Will you just receive this? Will you just believe this? Will you just take it in and be joined to me? I love that he makes this covenant. I, I, I picture this moment with Jesus standing next to Lazarus, okay? Uh, this moment where Lazarus has come back from the dead, 
And I picture Jesus giving him some lemonade, you know, because you're not going to give Lazarus water from waking up, like from the dead. You're going to give somebody something with some taste to it. So I imagine he gives him some lemonade, you know, and he's sitting there with Lazarus saying, Lazarus, are you seeing this? Are you seeing the promise that was made? Are you seeing it firsthand? It produces resurrection life. Now, this was only a shadow of what was coming. But Jesus is demonstrating that I'm something totally different. I am the one who the promise was actually made to. And you're going to see resurrection life from it. John eleven twenty five. 25, he says this. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? He is resurrection life. Do you believe this? Do you believe it? I love it. Jesus gives her an opportunity to believe right there. If you want to go ahead and just receive it right now, just go ahead and believe right now. Who is God? He is resurrection life. Look at these two verses side by side. 1 Timothy 3.16 says this, By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. He who was revealed in the flesh, I am revealed in the flesh, was vindicated by the spirit. Now look at how Romans describes what that looked like. Romans 1, 3 through 4. Concerning his son, who was born a descendant of David according to the flesh, who is declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. I love that the Spirit of God is the one who proclaims Jesus' resurrected life, revealing him as the Son of God. Right The moment he's coming back from the dead, he's raised into this newness of life. He becomes set apart forevermore. And all of us that are in him are set apart forevermore in this resurrected life. So who is God? He is I am. He is resurrected life. But what is God? What is he made of? Well, John, John told us, John 4, 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. The way Jesus describes this once, he says, okay, this is hard for us to understand. And I, I imagine when he would use these analogies, he was speaking to people who would understand it. So he's talking to some, some people that were out in the fields working on vines, you know, some vine dressers maybe even. And he, he says to him, he goes, listen, my father, my father, you want to know what spirit looks like. My father is a vine dresser. All right, a vine dresser was super important, right? They would go around, they would find the vines that were down on the ground that weren't getting any light anymore or not getting any attention that they needed, and they would lift them up and they'd put them up so they could get sunlight and they would, they would dress them, they would treat them. My father is that way, he would say. And then Jesus says, okay, spirit and truth, uh, I'm the vine, that's who I am. And he says, you are branches. And he explains that the spirit comes and works through us to produce fruit, for the world to enjoy and for us to enjoy. That God is this miraculous, he's not anything like us at all. He has the ability to bring life into things that are dead. He causes light to come out of darkness. Like, like he doesn't do things the way we do. What is God? He is spirit. Who is God? He is I am. The Greeks would call spirit this word pneuma, which means spirit, breath, uh, or wind. I love the idea that when we see in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, who's already there but the Spirit, right? The Spirit is the one hovering over the deeps, right? He's the wind. I love that in a storm, you often feel the wind before the storm, don't you? 
When someone speaks, sometimes you can even feel their breath before you can hear their words. Amen? You know what I'm talking about if they haven't had a breath mint? Hold on, I missed your words. I got the breath first. (laughs) I love that, that that is the spirit of God. He He is this breath. He is this wind who goes even before the things that God says, causing them to come into action. Uh, the Hebrews would have said it this way. The, the Holy Spirit would have been the Ruach HaKodesh. And this word, I'll tell you, I'll let Eric describe it in one of his class. This, this word has so many awesome pictures associated with every single letter of that, that phrase. So Ruach HaKodesh, you have the word Ruach, which means spirit, the word Ha, which means the, and then Kodesh, uh, holy, set apart. And when you look at the, each one of these letters, so as they would have said the Holy Spirit to each other, each one of these letters had a picture associated with it. And the picture or the story that you can see, even in just the pictures of this word, the Holy Spirit, is this. That a, that a, that a leader is coming. A leader is coming who is going to take two things and join them together and produce sanctuary around it. So the idea is the Holy Spirit, one of his his roles, right, is to come and to join things together that were separate before. He makes us holy. He makes us like him. And I love that the, the rest of the word has to do with a leader who will walk through a doorway of life and death and be found worthy or holy. I love that Jesus goes before us, right? He walks the door of life and death. He's declared holy, and then all of us are in him declared holy, as Pastor Matt talked about last week. You have been made something. You are this beautiful butterfly within uh, what looks like a cocoon. So we have what is God? He is spirit. What about where is God? Maybe you've asked that question a thousand times last year. You know, where are you, God? I'm wondering, where are you? Where is God? He's everywhere. He's fully everywhere. There's never a point in your life where you will go somewhere where God isn't. You'll never find yourself in a dark place and you say, well, God, I guess you're just, you can't even come here. You know, there's so much sin, I bet you can't even see this. Oh no, he steps into every single place. He is everywhere. Look at the way David says this in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as day, darkness and light are alike to you. God is never far from you. He is never running away from you. He is everywhere and everywhere he is, he is fully which means he invites you at any time to join him where he is in the spirit and experience life and peace anywhere you want, anywhere you are. You can be in the worst situations. I've been in some crazy situations, locked myself in a Starbucks bathroom because I just needed a minute with God, okay? You can do that, and you can sit there with him and just experience him anywhere because he's everywhere. All right, so that's who, what, and where God is. So who, what, where am I? If we have been transformed into something new, let's take a look at what that looks like. Who are we? As believers, we are children of I am. Think about that for just a second. 
You may have wonderful parents. You may have no parents. But as your heavenly father goes, he says that you are one of my children. You are a child of I am. The same one we just talked about who's everywhere. You're one of his. You were born of him. You bear his name. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. I love the order of that. To those who received him, they believe. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? We often say it the other way around, believe and then receive. But in this case, you can just say, God, I receive you. <laughs> and find yourself believing in God in a way that you never even thought possible. He gave you this right. He says that you can become one of my kids. All you have to do is receive the name. All you have to do is believe in me. And you get transformed into something brand new. Remember, the words that we read before the cross and then the words that we read after the cross, it's very important to distinguish those two places because the world on the front side was totally different than the covenant that was ratified when Jesus died and rose again. This whole new existence that you and I are living in is where we are found. And as one such example of a difference, let me show you one. In Isaiah 55, you know this verse, he says this. He says that your ways, right, God is speaking through Isaiah, my ways are higher my thoughts are higher than yours. And it leads many of us as believers to read something like that and say, who can understand God, you know? Well, we are children of I am. We can understand God. <laughs> We're not left to wonder, like, I don't know what God's doing. I have no idea. I'm just totally lost. Who can know? His ways are so much higher. Look at what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 2.16. He quotes an old verse. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Do you see what changed? Jesus said this. He goes, I'm not, I'm not leaving you guys alone. I'm, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to come to you, to join things together, to put you in a sanctuary of peace. In other words, that's what he was saying. That you're going to understand the things that my Father's doing. You're going to understand the things that are happening all around you. You're going to be able to understand things because you will have the Spirit of God. You can know what his thoughts are. Why? Well, let's talk about what we've become. <laughs> we've become something new. We are children of I am who have become something new. I don't know what you did yesterday. Maybe you thought that made you old again. <laughs> You're always new. You'll always be new tomorrow. You'll be new every five seconds. Jesus is perpetually new. He is everlasting life. And that means that you are brand new. It's a new year. It's a new day. And you are brand new. <laughs> and you were new yesterday too. And you're going to be new tomorrow as well. You're always going to be new. I love it that your story, right? This is a kind of a, a catchphrase sort of in the church. But your story has become history, you know. His story, your story has become history. Like who, all of your past, all of the things that made up who you are have gone away. Behold, a new day has come. The life that you're living is not your own. It's not your history. It's his history. You're living with his, his history as your fabric. You've become something new. Second Corinthians says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. I honestly think the problem is, and we were faced with this last year, the problem with this is, is that for many of us, we don't realize that we've already died. And I know that's weird. Again, it's an upside down kind of thought. You're saying, I, I'm, my heart's beating, Javen. I'm not, I'm not died yet. Oh, no, you died. <laughs> and I wish believers everywhere understood this, that we have died. You will never taste death. That moment that you get there, and maybe it's an hour away, and you, and you, you say, 
God is going to take you. I, I am sure that you will not experience the pains of death in the way that we think because he says that you will not even taste the sting of death. You'll just pass on. You'll be like, man, I just kept on breathing. <laughs> I don't understand. It's totally different because you become something brand new. You don't live the same way that everybody else does. We, we say things like, well, I'm just human, you know, I'm just human. And well, you know, <laughs> I messed up again, I'm just human. Well, no, you're not. Uh, we've changed. Let's read this together. Look at this in Romans 6. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You've already died. You're not waiting on anything. <laughs> you're not waiting on a final moment. You have something to live for today. And this is what I hope we'll all see is that because you've already died, because the big questions have already been answered, as you are charting your course, you can do so knowing the Lord is with you. Number one, you're one of his kids. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's going to walk with you. And you can look at the whole world around you as trouble is everywhere. But you can know that I am, I am somewhere where, where it matters. And this is where we're going next. Where are we? We're seated with him. We are a child of I am, and he is everywhere, and we're seated with him. This is where we are right now. Ephesians 2, God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he raised us up with him, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Man, that is where you are right now. You're not seated in Grace Church. You're not seated at home right now. You are seated in heavenly places as a child of God, made up of something brand new called resurrection life. This is what's flooding through you, flowing through you, that you get to give off to the whole world. You get to show the entire world. <laughs> Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians. It's God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. He is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of, the, of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. Paul goes on to say that, we, you know what, we're really being put through more than we can handle. <laughs> you ever hear somebody say that, you know, God's not going to put you through anything you can't handle or whatever? No, here's Paul saying that. I'm being put through more than I can handle. <laughs> like, this is not good for me, Okay. Maybe you felt like 2020 was kind of that way for you. Like, this is more than I can handle. Maybe, I mean, I got some friends that they still haven't left their house in a solid year, okay? Uh, this has been way more than they can handle. Maybe you find yourself that way, just saying, man, last year really, really wore me down, and I kind of just sit here wondering, God, when are you going to show up? When is your day coming? When? When? Well, let's talk about when is God. When is God? God is always, he's always. There's never a time where he's not. He's always, he's better than Gandalf. You know, Gandalf says he shows up right at the right time, you know. Wizard shows up right when he's supposed to. Okay, he's better than Gandalf. God was there ahead of time. The Bible says the spirit of God went ahead of, ahead of everything that you can think of. He went ahead of you to provide a way. Look at what Ecclesiastes says. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He has set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom the work that God has done from beginning to end. 
When is my family member going to get saved? When am I going to get the job that I thought I was promised? God, when is that thing that you told me you were going to do? When, when, when? Everything God does, he makes beautiful in the right time. Absolute perfect timing. He'll make everything beautiful. Whatever it is you're trusting God for and you're saying when, well, always. The mission is now. Life is now. (laughs) Whatever God's placed in your heart as a dream or a destination, well, you'll get there in the proper time and he'll make it beautiful. So when am I? If when is God, he's always, then when am I? Well, you as a believer have been born into eternity. You're eternal. When are you? Always. <laughs> well, when do, I, when do I run out? Never. You know, my oldest, she said to me this past week, Daddy, when did God start? You know, like, when did this happen? <laughs> I said, Daddy, he's always been. What? <laughs> you know? Well, when did... When did, when, did, when did it start? When did this start? When did that start? See, we, we think of things as beginning and end, don't we? We like resolution. We like to know that there's some kind of, okay, we get it now. There's the, the climax of the story, the conclusion of the story. We, we like that. And God says, well, I'm a vine who gives life. And fruit's going to continue to grow throughout all of eternity. So it's not, it's not about just right now. Galatians 2.20, a couple more verses for us. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. (laughs) And the life we have living within us is the life of sonship, or we are a child of God. I don't know if you've ever taken a kid for a walk but it can be interesting, okay? They, they find everything you don't want them to find. They see everything you hope they don't see. They step in everything you hope they don't step in. Like, that's kids. Like, they're just kind of a walking disaster. Like, kind of adults, but we just pretend we're not. <laughs> so, I, I love walking with my kids. You know, I'll hold their hand every once in a while. My youngest especially, she loves when I hold her hand. And she has no idea. I, I mean, I mean this wholeheartedly. She really has no idea how many times I will pull her out of harm's way or kind of take her and move her. Hey, watch this and watch that. And I'll, I'll, you know, walking down the street, I'll step on the side of the road that's more dangerous. And and she has no idea the amount of considerations I have with her. (laughs) I'm always thinking about her or, or Asher or any of my kids. And I'm always looking out for them also in life. Don't we as all as parents, we do that. You try to think through the things that are coming up and ahead. And you're, you're always working in a way that honestly your kids will never understand. (laughs) They won't. In the same way as we plot our course, we know the destination. We know where we're headed. We we, We know what God has promised. But as we plot this course, you can know something wholeheartedly as God, as your father, is a better dad than I am with my kids. Okay, He is watching and moving you and, and, and shifting you and watch that pothole and watch this. And he is with you. Do you fight him? Because sometimes my kids fight me. Dad, you know, well, kid, you're walking right into a hole, you know. <laughs> do you ever fight God or do you just rest and receive from him and believe him? Lord, I, I look at my life right now and I don't understand anything that I see. And yet I know who, what, and where you are. And I know when you are. And I can rest in that. But there's one more, isn't there? There's a why. <laughs> why? Why any of this? 
but we'll get to that, but read this first. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. All day long he is gracious and lends, and his descendants are a blessing. (laughs) God loves walking with his kids. He loves walking with you. And he made that possible thanks to the Ruach HaKodesh, thanks to the Holy Spirit. He's joined us together with him to resurrection life where you don't have to worry about all the big stuff. You can just walk with your dad and take one step at a time and keep your eyes on him and you will find yourself in some real awesome times and some awesome places this year. Because there is a why. There is a reason why you and I are in this building or at home watching this right now, and it's not to hear from me. We are all together in something for a season of time, and there is purpose. The purpose is to take this resurrection life to the world, to take it to every single person and invite them into spirit and truth. It's the only real reason why I'm on this planet, if I'll just make it personal. (laughs) I love my family, I love my kids, I love all the things God has blessed me with, but there's really one reason why Javen breathes air on this earth. It's to both be loved by God and to love others and to give that love away. And that same mission is given to you this year. It doesn't matter what kind of year this year turns into. It doesn't matter what kind of year we had last year. The idea is as everything around you is crushing you, the world sees resurrection life in you. <laughs> Oh, and it will help you get through whatever it is you're getting through in a way that you, you, you can't even imagine. Here's why, Hebrews 13. The God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You've been joined to resurrection life. And he put a compass in your hand. And he says, where are we going? Where do you want to go, son? Where do you want to go, daughter? Because wherever we go, there's people that need love. Wherever we go, there's mission. Wherever we go, there's people that can experience my grace. Wherever we go. I encourage you this year, don't stress so much about the where. Like, where am I going? What are we doing? Trust God with that. And know that he's put desires in your heart. He's put things in your heart just for you. He loves seeing you discover those things. Finding something and going, well, God, that might mean my entire life might change. And he says, I'm holding your hand, don't worry. (laughs) You may fall, but you're not going to fall headlong. No, I got you. Your dad is making sure every single one of your steps is firm. They're ordered by God because he knew where you were going to step. Because he knows every mistake you're going to make. He knows every success you're going to make. He is at the very end saying, come here, walk to me. I'll show you the way. Father, we turn our attention to you. the one who goes before us, the one who shores up every single step we take. 
Lord, I pray this year we would not wait for the year to get good. (laughs) But Lord, I pray that we would see your goodness in the year. (laughs) Lord, you're so good as we sung earlier. You are so present in our lives. Lord, as David wrote, he's never seen the righteous go hungry. Lord, you feed us spiritually and you give us all that we've needed. So Lord, as we plot out the course, as we chart a course this year towards this destination that you set, God, I pray that you'd remove all the fears that exist in this room, all of the things that we're afraid of that we think could alter that, that we think could mess up the course. Lord, I pray as children, we would just trust you (laughs) that we would take a deep breath and rest in your love and that we would love others around us so well. Lord, bring us the broken. Bring us those who are just like us that we can offer love and grace to. Let us see your glory this year in Jesus' name. Amen.